Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. And I'm Lorena Rose. And we're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time, spoiler free. Today we're discussing season two, episode 17, Cry Your Name. According to IMDb, this is the one where one of their closest friends die in suspicious circumstances. Each character deals with it differently. Liz is in denial, refusing to believe that her friend would commit suicide. Maria falls apart, leaning on a surprisingly caring Michael for support. Isabel believes her friend's death was her fault. Kyle tries to stay strong, and Max finds himself jealous that Sean is there for Liz when he can't be. That's not a thing. Yeah, I know. Um... (laughs) Sean is in Albuquerque, like, for court or something. Yeah, exactly. He's not around. Uh, And then it finishes with Liz makes an accusation that could ultimately crush her relationship with not only Max, but with the entire pod squad. Yeah. Yeah. So this episode was directed by Alan Croker, who this is the first of three episodes that he will direct for Roswell. Um, He's also directed all across television history. Um, Most notably in my book, though, he had directed an episode of True Calling, a TV show that I love. Is that the one with Eliza Dushku? It is. Uh, He directed an episode of Firefly. He directed episodes of Avonlea on the Disney Channel from back in the day and like tons of Star Trek. And then this episode was written by Jason Kadams and Ronald D. Moore, who, of course, we know Jason Kadams is the creator of the show and Ronald D. Moore's got his hands all over this show. So he sure does. Yeah. The dream team, those two. Mm hmm. So this episode opens on, um, Maria giving her weird recap in front of the chalkboard again. Mm-hmm. And this is probably going to be one of the only amusing parts of this entire episode. It Pretty is amusing. Sure. It's fun. Yes. Uh, I don't like when she says, when she's talking about Kyle, uh, that his feelings were a little more sibling than sex kitten. Yeah. Was that necessary? <laughs> like, did she have to say that? Also, interesting note, um, so this episode has commentary um, by Ronald D. Moore on the DVDs. So I watched the version with commentary. There's a lot of really cool stuff. So I'll be uh, referencing that throughout our conversation today. Sweet. Um, So he talked about this cold open, this Mm -hmm. like weird thing that they decided to do. Um, He said that they were, you know, looking for ways to engage the audience and to get them hooked. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Maria and Mahandra was an audience favorite, um, uh-huh. that she was like so engaging and fun. So they wanted to use her for it. He said it worked with mixed success. Um, <laughs> and part of the reason that they wanted to do it, he said, was because they were worried about the ratings, mm-hmm. um, whether they would be picked up for a third season. Um, and I guess the network said they didn't like their recaps anymore, like the way that they were doing recaps. So they the, just, like the same way that every TV show does recaps. I know, that's what I thought. It's like the, their recaps weren't different from anyone else. Exactly. Just a previously on, a normal previously on. But uh, he said that you know he kind of said that. So I don't know. All but, right. Um, I like that he said it worked with mixed success. <laughs> 
I mean, I guess some people probably like it. We yeah. might not be those people, but maybe some people like it. Look, I don't hate it. Like, it's fun. If it were something, if this talking to the camera thing were a part of this show. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not. So it just doesn't fit. You know, like, I like shows that break the fourth wall or whatever. But uh, this show doesn't normally do that. Yeah, exactly. This is not The Office. This is not one of those shows where they continuously break the fourth wall. It's just completely random. To me, it takes me out of it. But yeah, same. Doesn't draw me in. But so then we go straight to Alex's room where he's playing this really cool acoustic bass. Mm-hmm. So cool. Oh, Ronald D. Moore talked about how the whole Sweden storyline initially came from the fact that Colin Hanks wanted to do Band of Brothers which is, mm. uh, you know, like a war uh, HBO show. Oh, okay. That's supposedly really, really good. I never watched it. Um, Same. I don't think it passes the Bechdel test, so I have tr- problems with that. Or just, like, mm-hmm. problems enjoying those things. Obviously, it doesn't, like, say anything about whether a show is good or not. But, um, yeah, it's supposed to be really good. So that was uh, part of the reason that they were like, okay, we'll say that he went to Sweden semester Um, abroad there we go right so he so this is where he mentioned that got it i knew that like they wrote him out because he wanted to go on to other things but that also makes sense that they like you Mm -hmm. know gave him the sweden to like you know give him time to do another project even before they completely wrote him off right so they were like okay and then we'll find a way to bring him back so Mm -hmm. so we'll say he goes to sweden but then, yeah, like you said, he kept getting different offers. And the show, apparently everybody, like, loved him. They really didn't want to stand in his way of mm-hmm. his career growing. And um, they ended up, like, writing this storyline because of that. Like, because mm-hmm. Colin needed to leave the show to go on to, you know, do movies and whatever, Um but that kind of was the inspiration for them to even write Alex's death into the show at all, which has a huge impact, impact. obviously, yeah. on the storyline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I just thought it was really nice that they were, like, so supportive of him and, you know, wanted yeah. to let him go do that. Definitely. So I hate these whole rules that you have to, like, play hard to get or whatever. But the girls <sighs> are like, no, you too. have to say you're busy. Like, no, there are no rules. Don't play games. If you want to hang out with someone, hang out with them. Yeah, same. I have the exact same notes. I'm like, why? Why are they helping him play hard to get? Just let him like her and hang out with her. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's so stupid. He, like, clearly wants to say yes. Yeah. (sighs) But he doesn't. He follows the hard to get rules and says he's going to stay home and study. The girls have to go to work. Um, I also don't like the like weird baby voices that Maria and especially Liz use when they're like saying goodbye to him. They're like, be strong, Alex, be strong. Oh, I totally like f- forgot that. That's it's, annoying. Yeah, it's this weird baby voice thing. I'm not not into it, but whatever. They go off, go to work. A food delivery shows up and the food delivery guy is played by an actor named Jason, Jason Doring. Jason Doring. 
who goes on to do a lot of other things after this, including iZombie and Veronica Mars. Both Rob Thomas shows, Mm -hmm. not the Matchbox 20 guy, but the showrunner guy, guy, the guy who creates (laughs) shows with Jason Doring. Yep. (laughs) He has a lot of uh, actors that he, like, you know, likes to work with. So a lot of uh, actors who were on Veronica Mars were on iZombie and a lot of them came on for just like an episode here or there. Mm -hmm. So if you like Veronica Mars, you should definitely watch iZombie. Nice. It's like fun to see all those people. I do like Veronica Mars, so I should watch iZombie. You should. It's a really fun show. People hear zombie and they're like, ooh. But it's not like other zombie shows. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, don't be turned off by the name of the show being really stupid. (laughs) <laughs> they like actually reference that in a later season in Got a it. way. <sighs> but the food delivery guy, Jason Doring, shows Logan up. Eccles. Oh, yep. <laughs> so he shows up and all of a sudden Alex is acting really weird. His food is cold, which is like a bummer, but he like gets very down and distracted and weird, which is like does not match up at all with the way he was just feeling a couple minutes ago mm-hmm. when his friends were there and when he was talking to Isabel on the phone. Yeah, he's saying, like, everything's a lie. What is going to happen? This is very strange. And then we just go straight to Valenti in the car. Mm-hmm. You know, no big deal. Different storyline now. We've gone somewhere else. Or so we think. He pulls up to what appears to be a traffic accident. We find out from Deputy Hansen that there has been a head-on collision with a semi, and uh, Valenti wants to know if it's somebody he knows, and then cut to the crash down. Um, so something interesting here from the commentary mm-hmm. that is really important to know, actually, if you're watching this episode or want to know about this episode, is Ronald D. Moore, he was in a really horrible accident as a teenager, mm-hmm. and... His he was with a friend, and his friend ended up dying in the accident. Um, and he said the way that he wrote this episode was greatly affected by his experience. That's super understandable. Yeah, and um, and I think it like might even you know I think it probably had something to do with the fact that they chose a car accident, you mm-hmm. know, to be the way that Alex died and. He said also that that writing this episode was like cathartic in a way for him. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. So I just think it kind of, you know, adds context and and kind of shows a way to frame this. um, Mm -hmm. And I think it explains a lot of the choices in the writing. And I, you know, might point that out as we go on. Yeah. So we head to the crash down and, you know, conveniently or not so conveniently or whatever, uh, all of our... All of our friends are there except for Mm -hmm. Alex. And they're having a good time. Yeah. They're (sighs) laughing. Our one and only laugh of this episode. Mm. Which I didn't think we would get any, but kind of showing a juxtaposition. Yeah, but they, yeah, Maria drops some dishes. She's a little bit of a klutz. Michael and Max are discussing the merits of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon versus The Matrix. Of course. And... Yeah, Isabel, Tess, and Kyle are looking through prom photos. I'm saying, look at your face. Look at my face. And then Valenti shows up while Maria's in the kitchen cleaning up dishes. And he lets her know there's been an accident. And just 
from the look on his face, she knows there's something. Yeah, that something is wrong. Which is a really real thing, honestly. Yeah. You know, like someone you know well, you can tell if, you know, something's going on. Um, If I could just hop back a second to Mm -hmm. pre-horrible news being shared. Ronald D. Moore said in this, I'm just going to call him Moore from now on. Got it. Because it it just feels weird to say the whole thing. So Moore said that he made this great comment about Brendan's hair. Mm -hmm. Because it's, you know, long enough now it's being like slicked back. Yeah. So this is where we're seeing it slicked back. And he kind of was just like, oh, yep, Brendan's hair slicked back. And he said this was, I, I call this... And he's like, I think this was hair number 45 for Michael. <laughs> just like commenting on all the different ways that Michael has yeah. had his hair. I just thought that was funny. So yeah, Valenti. Um, and we know he has shared the news because Maria runs into the dining room mm-hmm. screaming. Yeah. But we, do, we don't see him actually telling her the news, which is, I feel like, a thing that TV shows do. Yeah, but he does, I mean, but he does share it to everybody when he walks into the main part of the dining room where everybody else is. And everyone is in shock, really. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, kind of silent. Yeah, I don't know how I would respond to something like this. I've never lost a friend who was super close in a really traumatic way like this. So me neither. I have a close friend who has, who Mm -hmm. has lost multiple friends, bunch of friends and her mother and that is I think for me like the closest that I've gotten to Mm -hmm. you know really experience somebody or see somebody else's uh grief and we'll be talking a lot about grief at least I I plan to you know talk a lot about grief in this episode it's a real thing and a real part of life because death is a part of life yep and understanding grief I think is an important thing for people and I think you did some you did some research about the stages of grief, right? That we can get into as I we did. continue. Yeah. Before we get to that, we'll go through the uh, opening credits, and then we end up on the dark city streets outside of the um, what I guess is the coroner's office, perhaps even it's the police the morgue. Yeah. So there's a sign first that says City Hall. Yeah. Behind like, really? them, City Hall. Yeah, and then when they go to like where the van is. there's a sign above the door that says morgue because I was like is it the medical examiner but Mm -hmm. yeah it's the van says county coroner and then above the door says morgue got it I missed that part Valenti is gonna follow follow the peoples in and distract them so that Max can try and use his healing powers and bring Alex back and this part is just so heartbreaking to me with Isabel's narration of how Mm -hmm. It's all going to plan out how she's envisioning it planning out and Max is going to heal Alex and we're going to see the van shake and they're going to come out and it's going to be so funny and and then we'll have to make up excuses, uh, you know, and she just has it all planned out how it's going to go and it does not go that way. Comes out alone. Makes me so sad. And I think, yeah, I think this is where I want to get into stages of grief because this is the first one. Mm-hmm. So the five stages of grief, um, also known as the Kubler-Ross model, kind of, it was created by a psychiatrist named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, it was first in her 1969 book called On Death and Dying. Um, mm-hmm. She was known for her work with terminally ill patients. So the, um, the stages of grief can happen before or after death. So a lot of what she wrote about was, you know, people who are, accepting their own death Mm -hmm. so 
the stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody experiences them differently and on different timelines. And so we get to see some of that in this episode. We don't necessarily see all the stages because it's all really fresh and it can take a long time to get to acceptance, which is the last stage. Um, But so this scene is really, I think, where we're starting to see denial that, you know, they don't want to believe that he's really dead. The fact that they even went there to try to revive him is denial. Yeah. Even if they are aliens with the power to heal, Max has not brought back someone who's been completely dead, right. if I'm not mistaken. Max he does has... not revive people. He heals people. Yes. He's healed people who were perhaps on the verge of dying, but they were still living and had a chance to be saved. Right. And I do think that this is all Liz's fault for repeatedly saying that she died. She didn't <laughs> die. She didn't die. <laughs> she she didn't, didn't die. My name is Liz Parker. And, and two Liz days ago, three days ago. Three days ago. Seven I days died. ago. I'm so sorry to all the fans who are mad right now that we can't remember how many days ago. It's an iconic line, but I don't remember it the is. number. <laughs> but you know what we're talking about. I think it's three. I also think it's three. So maybe okay. we're right. Write in and so. tell us if we're wrong. Yeah, please let us know. So Maria kind of loses it when mm-hmm. she sees the body bag, which yep. is, you know, completely understandable. Understandable. Yep. And Michael is caring. You know, Michael is holding her and being supportive. Mm-hmm. Being a good boyfriend. Being a good friend. Yeah. And Liz has just a blank look on her face. Mm-hmm. And I think she's still in shock. Yeah. And Isabel is devastated and takes off. Yep. Different people deal with grief differently and some people take off. I mean, like flight is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people need to be around others. Some people need to be alone. But even people who need to be alone need to be checked on. Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> because people in mourning usually tend to not feed themselves and mm-hmm. for many other reasons. Um, so classic Kyle rolling out of bed into some push-ups. Yep, yeah. A classic <laughs> move. Um, that's very Riley Finn of him. Oh, oh yes. it so is. It oh my god. It is for our listeners who also watch Buffy or who don't watch Buffy and don't know who Riley Finn is. Yeah. Kyle I think would fit in quite well at the initiative. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Have we seen him do this before? I feel like we have. Yeah, I think at least once. I can't imagine, but whatever, you know, to each their own. Yeah, no, it takes me way long to wake my brain up enough to even realize I'm pressing the snooze alarm. Yeah, yeah, my brain and my body. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm like disoriented. I feel like I can't like walk in a straight line when I first wake up, Mm -hmm. let alone like you know, be coordinated enough to do push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then th- this is another part that just, like, I mean, so obviously this episode is a sad episode. It just, yeah. like, breaks our hearts continually. But, you know, he does his push-ups, he crawls back into bed, and then his dad comes out and, you know, starts going on about, this is not a happy day, and I don't want, you know, remember this happened yesterday, I don't want you to associate this with today. And then we find out today is Kyle's birthday and like what a shitty thing to have 
horrible. The day before your birthday. Like for the rest of your existence, it's going to be wrapped up in at least a little bit of heartache and painful remembrance, even when you reach that acceptance point in your life. And that's why, you know, I appreciate that Jim is acknowledging that and -hmm. like trying to address that. Acknowledging that like this, you know, it may be associated with his birthday, like, and it sucks. But um, I also like from a writing standpoint, I don't understand why they did this. Yes, that too. Why did it have to be Kyle's birthday? I mean, I guess maybe just as a way to draw Kyle into the storyline a little bit more because mm-hmm. sometimes he's a little bit separated from the rest of the group. Like he hasn't been quite yeah. as involved in the group as everybody else has. So I guess as a way to like tie him up in with all of it. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for them really taking the time to kind of show at least a moment of each character grieving yes. or, you know, dealing with it, processing the yeah, death of that's their friend. Very true. You know, no matter how close they were with him, because obviously like Liz and Maria were the closest, Isabel, mm-hmm. um, but you know, Alex is a friend to all of them. Yeah. And it's a big change in their lives to lose him. And then we cut to the crash down where Alex walks in, so Of course, this must be just a dream. Mm -hmm. But it's not like other dream sequences. Like No, it's not. Sorry, Moore, whatever. Ronald D. Moore talked about that. He -hmm. talked about that it was an intentional move for them Mm -hmm. to just cut straight from the last scene, cut right into this scene in -hmm. the crash down, just like a normal cut. Um, And then Alex shows up. So, And it's in a way... It's Isabel going through the stage of denial, but it's kind of the audience going through the stage of denial. Yeah. That, like, for a, for a second for you to believe that, like, oh, my God, maybe maybe it was all a misunderstanding and, and he is alive and it's all okay. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting choice. And I liked yeah. that choice. I think it's – I just even as we were talking about it, I have written down, like, it's just a dream. Why do our brains do this to us? But – I almost think even necess- like Isabel isn't necessarily dreaming so much as maybe daydreaming, just like playing out alternate scenarios. Like it doesn't seem like she's even necessarily asleep. Like, yes, she's in bed. Yes, the lights are off. But I don't think that she's necessarily asleep. She's just mm. playing out all the different scenarios and wishes in her mind. And like, mm. you know, as she plays through her pain, mm-hmm. which mm. I mean, even not in a... Not in a in a sense of, uh, you know, grief, but I know my anxiety brain plays out every possible scenario oh, yeah. of a thing before it ever even happens. So, mm-hmm. you know. And, oh, I go through entire conversations. Oh, yeah. And own. I continue to go through things that already happened that I wish had gone differently. And, and it, yeah. just, it can't go differently. It already happened. But my brain continues to cycle through them, sometimes even years later. So... Uh-huh. Yeah. Brains do weird things. Yes, that they do. sometimes you're like, stop doing that. Stupid brains. <laughs> Stupid brains. That's not helpful. <sighs> and thank God her mom is home because mm-hmm. we don't see Diane Evans very often. No. And it's a great thing that she's there. She's obviously like very comforting to Isabel to, you mm-hmm. know, wake up and have her mom be right there. Yeah. Um, because it's also 
or wake up or whatever come to out of her daydream, whatever it was. It's, I, I thought she was sleeping, but you know, we don't really know for sure. Yeah. And, and that also is such a real thing for her. If she was sleeping to wake up from sleeping, take a second and then realize, oh yeah, like the person that I lost is still gone. Yeah. Um, also yeah that feeling of waking up from a dream and not even realizing it's a dream at first and for that split second you're like not in pain and then it hits you yeah oh one thing about parents i think this is a good time to mention it because you know diane evans is there and we don't really see parents all that often on the show other than jim and yeah sometimes amy and we don't see i mean she amy isn't in every episode Far, you know, far from it, but we do see her more than Liz's parents, parents and the Evans. Yeah. So something that Moore said was that scripts often had parents in them, had scenes with parents that ended up getting cut mm. for multiple reasons. But they did initially have the parents and they they did want the parents to be more of the story, but because of budget, yeah. right? Yeah. The parents were all guest actors. Yeah. Right? They weren't, like, part of the regular cast, and so it cost money each time. Mm -hmm. So because of budget, they often got cut, and uh, because of time. And when they were looking at, okay, we're over time, we have to cut something, and the show, you know, when they're looking at what really is the center of the show, it's the kids. So Mm -hmm. they often um, ended up cutting those scenes. But it is good to know because we're always like, where are their parents? Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's good to know that like they were more involved initially. The plan was for them to be more involved. It just didn't work out that way. Yeah. I mean, and that makes sense. I mean, whether it's cut for time or it's cut for budget or either way, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, are we ready to move on to the DeLucas then? Yeah, I think so. And Michael is there. He is and- there. The fact that he answered the phone to me is, like, really Considerate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he is not only there for Maria, he's there for Amy. He's there to support the whole family. Yes. Agreed. Because Amy is also grieving. She obviously knew Alex since he was young. Yeah. You know, her daughter's best friend. And um, and because Amy also has to be there for Maria. Mm Mm-hmm. So who's there for her? Right. And people who are supporting others through grief need support themselves. And I mm-hmm. learned that the hard way when I, you know, realized I wasn't eating or sleeping enough because I was just so, you know, concerned with my friend and making sure yeah. she was okay and eating enough. Because grief, for most people, takes away your appetite. Yeah. But yeah, I love that Michael is there helping. And we find out that Sean is stuck in, um, Sean is stuck in Albuquerque for a court date which is what makes that IMDb intro make absolutely no sense that Max <laughs> is upset that Sean can be there for Liz when he can't, when he's literally not even in the episode. I think there's like a split second that that might be referring to. And I'll get to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, but that tells us, you know, it gives us the reason why Sean isn't going to be around in this episode, which, you know, is kind of good to know since he has become kind of a regular part of the season. And, you know, you would expect, expect him to be in the DeLuca house helping take care of his cousin and his aunt right. in, in this emotional time. So, yeah, I, I feel like they had to address, like, where's Sean? Because, mm-hmm. especially because we're like 
at the DeLuca house and like, you know, Michael's the one supporting them. Yeah. Because I personally would have been like, where's Sean? It gives us a reason to have Michael have to be there helping support and, you know, gives us a reason for that lovely conversation that we have later in the episode between Amy and Michael. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it gives him a reason to, you know, be answering the phone, to be doing Mm -hmm. household things um, to, you know, to be helping out. Um, and, and Sean, like Michael's the one to break the news to Sean about Alex and, um, and Sean seems, you know, to be concerned about his, his, uh, cousin and aunt and, mm-hmm. and says, could you look after my family? And Michael says, I'll take care of them. Yeah. And then cut to the next scene. And we know that Sean was also concerned about how Liz was handling this mm-hmm. because Max calls the house and we find out that Sean had just called the house and that Mrs. Parker thought that it was Sean calling back, which is, I think, what you were meaning that is, like, the yep. split second where maybe... Split second. <laughs> but I'm not even sure that Max, like, shows jealousy about that. I mean, if he does, it's a split second visual cue. It's maybe not... Maybe a facial expression for a second, yeah. Yeah, not a dialogue cue at all. Yeah. But, you know, Mrs. Parker says that she's not there, and then we cut to the the car junkyard? yard, junkyard. junkyard. I'm like, what's what I, what's the word yeah. I want? It's a junkyard. <laughs> Wherever it is, it's somewhere where Liz can find it and go on a little detective investigation to find out what's going on. It is so not healthy for her to be doing this. No, it is not at all. Alone, nobody yeah. else knows she's there. Yeah, her best friend just died. She's, like, putting herself through more trauma. Yeah. She shouldn't be doing this. And she still has this, like, empty look on her face. Like, she's still in shock, in denial. Like, she's not, I don't know. She's yeah. not really processing it. We haven't seen her cry. And I don't, are we gonna? No, we do see her cry she, at the end. At the end, yeah. Yeah, it takes a while. Because, you know, Maria has cried a lot. You can, like, we saw her cry, and you can see it on her face mm-hmm. throughout the whole episode. And she finds this photo. Mm-hmm, where... Alex's face has been like not just like ripped out or like the picture was damaged like but like his face has literally been cut out of the Mm -hmm. picture which also that picture was one of the last things we saw in his house yeah when he signs for the food and he's getting like weird in the brain we see him acknowledge that picture on the shelf yeah yeah and that that was a an important thing that Mm -hmm. we didn't mention but like you know there's something up with him looking at the picture when he was upset yeah so uh next is this interrogation really yes of this truck driver who is in a hospital bed Mm -hmm. mind you because he was also injured in this accident yeah Yeah, i mean valenti is is skeptical of him you know Mm -hmm. like giving him a hard time how many beers did you drink and the guy is you know rightfully upset about that yeah i mean i wouldn't even say he's skeptical he's like downright accusatory yes yeah yeah. he is accusatory but then the driver tells him that alex deliberately swerved towards him which you know starts to give us pause about what is going on here Mm -hmm. at the evans isabel is feeling guilty which is something we see a lot uh, of you know for the rest of the episode with her Mm -hmm. and is a normal part of grief Mm -hmm. people who were close to somebody especially and some sources you know since kubler ross's book some sources have added guilt um Mm -hmm. as a stage of grief or consider it as a part of the bargaining stage 
which I think is pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is bargaining. It's like, if I hadn't done this, then this would happen. You know, kind of like playing out and wishing for different scenarios. Yeah, yes, different scenarios that cannot be possible. And she also vaguely references Grant Sorensen, which, like, let's not forget that she just had a love interest die. That's true. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was so wrapped up in Alex. Good point. I just, like, my brain was just like, oh, Alex. Because we care about Alex way more than we care about Grant. But but that was a horrible, traumatic, tragic thing, too. Mm -hmm. What Grant, you know, what happened to him. And And just happened to her very recently. So recently. It was like a few episodes ago. Yeah. And she says to her mom, like, her mom's like, I wish I had special powers. And she's like, special powers don't help. Like, don't say that, Isabel. Come on, use your brain. (laughs) You You can't say that. Mom doesn't know. <laughs> but also, she can't just say special powers don't help. Of course, special powers would help. Certain special powers. Yeah. Max just doesn't have all special powers. You just don't have the right special powers. You need, you like, don't have... necromancy special yeah. powers. <laughs> Which, like, you know, it is kind of dark. Probably good. You know, probably good that we don't have necromantic powers yeah. as well. We don't need that. And... At the very end of the scene, Isabel says, Mom, there's something I need to tell you. Mm-hmm. But then it cuts away from that. Yeah. So, you know, it leaves you wondering, what is she going to tell her? Yeah. I mean, she has already, like, in her dream state, talked, or Alex has asked her what she wants to do about college and school. And, you know, that kind of jogs our memories at that yeah. point that she did just tell him in the last episode that she's going to graduate early and maybe go off to college early and so we can kind of assume that it's that but yeah we get another but in my mind because she had just brought up special powers and she had just said this comment that was like a little telling like a little too like on the nose of like wait what Mm -hmm. what's that supposed to mean special powers don't help you know so to me i was like she just brought this up and now she's like well mom there's something i need to tell you that i was like wait is she an alien you know Max is an alien, too. Like, it seemed to me that they were, like, maybe trying to suggest that. Mm-hmm. And then we head to school the next day, and there has a memorial has popped up on Alex's locker, and there are people that we've never seen before crying over his locker and leaving notes and flowers, and I feel like that's very common situation. Mm-hmm. Pretty typical. Um, and Liz is, like, not about it and neither is maria they are not happy to be seeing people that they're going to talk about it more later under the bleachers but like that there's all these people who did not know alex did not love alex like they did and Mm -hmm. you know are taking up space in this grieving process for lack of a better word right for lack of a better like concept also Mm -hmm. you know because like it is common i think for people to feel like you know, this is my grief that I'm going through. You didn't even mm-hmm. know him. Like, I'm the one who deserves to be feeling this pain and this love for him and this loss. But grief is not a limited entity. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you can't take up space in grief because it's, the space isn't limited. Yeah. That, like, somebody grieving doesn't take away from your grief. But I don't, I don't fault them for feeling how they feel. I mean, you know, people deserve to kind of process and, and deal with loss however they need to. As long as they're not harming others. Yeah. Maria is like wearing sweats. She looks depressed, which Mm -hmm. is also a stage of grief. Also, the stages aren't always linear, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's, 
they're always listed in that order, but like... Yeah, they don't necessarily happen in that order. Liz is in anger. Yeah. she Liz is in anger and she's in denial. Mm-hmm. Maria is in the depression stage and in anger. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, because here, like, Liz is in denial also that she is mourning somebody. Yeah. Because Maria asks her how she's doing. She's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And Maria calls her out. She's like, no, you're not. And she shows the photo, says she found it in the wreck. And yeah. Maria is it's very like You disturbed. went there? Like, yeah, Maria is super distressed, distressed and upset that Liz would have gone to the crashed car and, like, yeah. dug around in there. It's very weird and inappropriate. Yeah, Maria is super angry about it yeah and then logan eccles is at the sheriff yeah saying i deliver a lot of cold food yeah because i'm bad at my job yeah clearly but also you gotta think like this is before smartphones how did you know where to deliver stuff like do you have like a map like a physical map that you unfold and look at like did you print out MapQuest directions in which case you still have to like follow them to the letter and if you miss a turn how do you find your way back to where you're going? Like, I remember oh my God, those yeah. days. Also, usually if you print it out, it's, like, also with a map. Because, yeah, yeah if you lose your spot, if you, like, lose where you are. Mm-hmm. But I think in that time, most delivery drivers, they probably, like, used a map at the beginning. But I think most delivery drivers, like, w- knew the Start area to learn, very learn well. areas, yeah. Yeah. But the, you know, the food delivery kid, he says that... Um, He was acting like it was the end of the world, which kind of lines up with the, you know, the suspicions that we now have from the semi-truck driver who says that he purposely veered towards the semi. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, you can't fault Sheriff Valenti for feeling the way that he feels. He's trying to be a good detective and trying to put together the pieces from the other people who had contact with Alex. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and after Logan leaves, I don't know his name. They said his Jerry. I don't know. Yeah, they said I think his it's name, Jerry. But I don't care. He's Logan Eccles. <laughs> he uh, after he leaves, you know, Valenti is talking to Hanson, and Hanson suggests what everything is looking like—that it really mm-hmm. is looking like suicide—and Valenti is not ready to accept that. No, and he gets is not. angry and is in denial. And I kind of feel like he is too close to this. And should mm-hmm. not be on this case. Yeah, he probably shouldn't. It's like absolutely a conflict of interest. And uh, and Hanson also says something that we didn't know yet about uh, that, like his teachers, Alex's teachers had noticed a change in his mood and mm-hmm. in his behavior over the last few weeks. Yeah. So it seems like this wasn't necessarily something that was just suddenly on that day. Yeah, that there have been signs that people have been noticing. Yeah even if they didn't put them together to this sort of situation until afterwards, which I feel like is often the case. Yeah. It's like, I think it's so important for, especially teachers and people who work in a high school uh, and really everybody actually to know the signs of depression and yeah, kind of warning signs of something like suicide. Mm hmm. So we touched a little bit on this scene that comes up next, which is when they're under the bleachers, it kind of continues Mm -hmm. a lot of people being upset and pissed off and angry. But we do find out here that um, the boys are going to be pallbearers for 
yeah. the funeral that Mr. Whitman has, you know, reached out to Kyle and asked that they all be pallbearers, which... And it all makes it feel a little more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the funeral is the next day. Mm-hmm. And now Logan Eccles, Jerry, food delivery kid, is being a dickwad. Mm-hmm. Excitedly telling people. Yeah. Because he was, like, the last one to see Alex, as far as we know. Um, And angry Liz shows up. Yes, she does. She is not having any of it. Liz is clearly in her anger stage Mm -hmm. of, like, you know, going through this, the anger stage of grief. But this is a very good reason to be angry. Yes. Yes, it is. I would also (laughs) approach angrily. Mm -hmm. Um, And she wants to ask him some questions, she says. Yeah. Uh, and then we go back to under the bleachers and Isabel tells people that she is going to graduate early and go to college in San Francisco. Yeah. And Max is angry about it. Maria because... doesn't want to talk about it. She's mm-hmm. like, why are we talking about this? This is not like we have more pressing things. Yeah. This is not what's important right now. I understand her feeling that way. I also understand Isabel feeling the need to tell everybody this yeah and isabel is also going through her own shit like leave her alone let her talk about what she yeah and michael's like this isn't the decision we have to make right now not isabel calls out yeah this is not a we decision this is a me decision yeah i feel like this is kind of the first we're seeing like king max Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode yeah I feel like he hasn't really like stood up and been like i'm in charge here uh like he sometimes does uh until this moment yeah and then uh we cut to the valenti house and liz is there showing the picture to valenti and discussing this with him and we find out that valenti has come to terms with the idea that this is potentially a suicide And, you know, even when he seemed a little bit against the idea before, he's coming around. The pieces are fitting together and looking like it could be suicide. And here's more denial from Liz. She absolutely Mm -hmm. does not believe him. She gets very upset about him and doesn't want to hear any of it. And she leaves. So um, I also think that this is part of bargaining. That Mm -hmm. like her, like she's trying to find a way to postpone and like avoid her feelings yeah by staying busy and being so sure that there's something else going on and you know trying to find a way to like change something about the situation or find answers um even though it won't bring him back Mm -hmm. also an interesting thing about the dialogue in this scene Moore said this dialogue her being angry was pretty much born directly out of a confrontation that shiri had with him and Jason Kadams earlier Ooh, in the season that she had problems she wanted to discuss. So they, you know, were willing to discuss it with her, went to her trailer um, and they had a very long conversation. It was very charged. Um, and he said that she was like being very uh, strong and like angry um, mm-hmm. and speaking like kind of the same way that Liz does in this scene that she was like, no, I will not. And like, you will tell me this and this will happen. And he said pretty much that, like, a lot of the dialogue in the scene was straight from her mouth. And, <laughs> you know, it was the way that she dealt with her anger. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that when she first got the script, 
she totally recognized it and said that it said like, oh, this is familiar. Yes, this, <laughs> I recognize this. I can access this emotion again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that was funny. Uh, and the, yeah, the picture, I mean, cutting himself out of the picture, like it's not all that crazy when you're looking at it in the context of a suicide theory. Yeah, it's not. Of this this theory. Then we head back to the Evans household and Max is in his room. It looks like he's probably trying on his suit for tomorrow to get ready. Oh, but there was one moment that uh, after Liz left, I don't know if this is like her kind of accepting or just kind of like physically reacting to what Valenti had just said. Oh, yes. Um, when she, yeah. like, goes outside. And I thought she vomited, like... Yeah. Uh, she, I think she didn't actually vomit, but it's she's having a physical reaction to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. I did not make a note there because it's just a very small moment. It's very small, yeah, but important. Or, like, mm-hmm. a, a strong moment. Yeah. And then she doesn't want to be alone, which is understandable. She shows up at Max's house and just wants some company. She's upset, she's angry, and asks if she can stay with him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, she tells Max about they're going to write it in their report that it was a suicide. She's furious about it. And Max agrees. He's like, I don't think, you know, he's like, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't have done that. So at this point, Max is agreeing with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And and he says, like, he'll handle it. He's gonna go talk to them so they don't put it in the report. And then there's this weird thing where I'm assuming maybe like we're supposed to hear like her stomach grumble or something but I don't know the, I watched... the um captions said that her stomach grumbled I don't hear a stomach grumble I have watched this episode so many times and I do not hear anything there I didn't hear it it yeah, drives me it. crazy that, yeah, I don't hear a stomach grumble or anything, but that's obviously what's supposed to have happened because she goes like, oh, it's so embarrassing. And he's like, are you yeah. hungry? When was the last time you ate? Uh, and she can't really remember. Yeah. Um, which, you know, like we've talked about, totally typical for mm-hmm. somebody mourning and also um, often a sign of depression, mm-hmm. which, as we talked about, is one of the stages of grief. Yeah. And Michael... <sighs> Bringing what Amy thinks is tea, but it's actually hot, hot buttered, buttered rum. rum. Yum! Buttered rum. I had to look it up, and it is. It's a. It says mixed drink containing yeah. rum, butter, hot water or cider, a sweetener, and various spices. Yep. Um, and we have this beautiful moment between oh, Michael and Amy. I love this scene. And she, you know, like. All the care he's been giving to Maria is mm-hmm. not lost on her. And it yeah. means she's so grateful. Yeah, I love it. And she says she that she hopes to see more of him and he's always welcome in this house. And then I love her afterthought, which is, <laughs> welcome on the couch. Yeah. She's like, oh, wait, let me clarify. Yes. You may not stay in her bed. You may stay on the couch, good sir. Mm-hmm. And she also, I mean, I think she's also learning more about him. Yeah. Because, you know, he is a minor and brought her a rum drink. And then explains that, like, his foster dad, um, Hank was his name, I think. Yeah, I think so. You know, that fucking abusive asshole. Yep. Yeah, that he, like, taught him to make drinks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Amy is learning more about Michael's upbringing and kind of his trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then Izzy is dreaming or imagining again, whichever we decide it is. And Mm -hmm. she's still blaming herself that she shouldn't have brought him into her life. It's so sad. This is like where I feel like she comes to acceptance. She's Mm -hmm. still sad about it, but this is where she comes to her acceptance point that he's really gone and that he needs to like go from her dreams also for her to be able to heal and recover. And there's also some real, like a very clear example of bargaining in this scene when he Mm. says, he's like, I, you know, I have to go or whatever. And she's like, please, please don't go. Yeah. And, and he says, I'm already gone, Mm -hmm. which obviously like, this is all her. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not actually Alex Whitman that she's talking to. It's it's all her. Yeah. And so, yeah, she's bargaining and then accepting and realizing like he is gone. Um, and she's using her dream to process this and to get to this stage of acceptance. Yeah. And this, this really got me mm. when he's like, bye, Isabel. And they show him walking out. And it's this whole, this whole shot is, it's a long tracking shot. They mm-hmm. don't, they didn't make any cuts for a while mm-hmm. um, until it cuts back to Isabel, you know, saying goodbye. And this is also Colin Hanks's real exit from the show. Ugh. Ugh. And we get, like, this kind of nice moment, which, like, usually happens, I feel like, later on in the grief process. But it's really nice to see um, at the Evans mm-hmm. house. At the Evans's? Either way. Max and Liz are, uh, are reminiscing. And they're, like, remembering funny moments together and kind of mm-hmm. having this, like, nice moment of remembering Alex. Um, and then, you know, she goes to leave and, like, tells him she saw him kissing Fess. Yep. Which, you know, makes things awkward. <laughs> yep. But, I mean, they were already awkward whether or not he knew it. She, I'm yeah. sure, was already feeling awkward about right. it. I, You know what else I think is awkward? Is they're down in the kitchen eating mac and cheese together and Isabel is upstairs grieving and crying and dreaming about how much she loves Alex and how he's gone. Because uh-huh. assumably she's at home. Yeah, no, she's like in bed. And nobody is like, Isabel, do you, like, maybe you should eat something. Do you need anything? Like, uh-huh. there's just this whole other thing happening in the same house that there's no acknowledgement of what the other person in the house is going through, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. And <sighs> at the funeral, Maria is singing Amazing Grace singing like later verses verses yeah verses that yeah. i'm not familiar no, with me neither no and that's ronald d moore said like he he looked up amazing grace and found verses he had never heard mm-hmm. and thought it'd be interesting to start with those just go right into those and then kind of separately a little ways away right max and valentia yeah. talking it's almost like when things are wrapping up and people are maybe heading out and yeah right the funeral's over at this point mm-hmm. Um, Max is yelling, which apparently yeah. the network really liked. Okay. They like, I thought mean, it showed strength. I don't know. Apparently they really liked anytime Max yelled. I feel like, I mean, people, people gonna hate me for this, but I feel like Max is very monotone a lot of the time and very, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I don't disagree. Very, yeah. One note, very, he controls his emotions. He's very... Yeah, level's a good word for it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying I like him yelling at Valenti, but I do, you know, no, he is showing more emotion here. He's 
showing yeah. his upset over the situation as well instead of just being mm-hmm. super level about the whole thing. Yeah, you're so right. It does make sense that they would like that. It's like to actually see him animated and passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Valenti gives Max the file to read. He lets him read the file, which like that can't be legal. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But you know when when does Valenti follow the rules I know, these days? It's true. Like we don't we don't follow rules on this show. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently there was a cut scene here because okay. they were nine nine minutes over time, which okay. like nine minutes is a lot to have to yeah. cut. Mm-hmm. right producer ashley you know nine minutes is a lot yeah nine minutes is a nightmare <laughs> sorry this episode's gonna be a nightmare yeah <laughs> but this is a big one like it yeah. you know there is a lot to talk about i mean at least we don't have like a hard cut like yeah. some network being like mm, right no, yeah, no we're not right. gonna post it, it has it's to too long. fit in 42 minutes no we can right we can do whatever we want right so there was a cut scene here of kyle um, at home, sitting in front of his Buddhist shrine, um, trying to meditate Aww. or pray. Um, and Tess comes and sits with him. Aww. And Kyle says, you know, he's having trouble dealing with it and having trouble meditating um, because he said that he, they that Kyle was saying uh, it was because he had to put his friend in a box the next day. Oh, I would have liked to have seen, even if it was just like uh, not even that whole scene, but even just like... Kyle struggling and Tess and coming Tess coming and sitting with him even if there was no words even if it was just a you know a very small scene we don't really see much of Tess in this episode no we don't um and it's you know obviously she wasn't close with Alex but obviously it's gonna affect her too yeah um and you know it's affecting the family that she is a part of Mm mm-hmm you know what they could have done? They could have left out the birthday bit and just yeah. cut in them sitting together yeah. in front of the Buddha shrine. Yeah, that would have been a better use of, of a Kyle moment, I think. When we were talking about the birthday bit and I, yeah. like, you know, already knew about this part, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we were talking about the birthday bit, I was like, fuck, why didn't they cut this? Yeah. So, yep, you're right. Yeah, because that's kind of a long scene, too. Like, for something that then doesn't ever tie in anywhere else in the episode. At all. Yeah. Um, so is this a wake? I believe so. Is that, like, a thing after a yeah. funeral? hmm Michael is getting food for Maria, and it's just, it's sweet. Mm-hmm. Just, like, we s- repeatedly see him taking care of her. Yeah. <sighs> and we see this sweet little interaction between Liz and Mr. Whitman, who is just so tall. Yeah. He's just so tall. And she just is so small. And she's so short, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you really notice it. Yeah. But she wants to know if she can go sit in Alex's room, which is kind of sweet. It's nice. Like, yes, she does snoop around in the end. But it's nice to see that she's she's sitting there playing his bass and, like, looking pensive and Mm -hmm. was in there just to be in his room. Yeah. And then wants, you know, wants him to give her some direction, point her in the right direction of what happened. Mm -hmm. And then she notices this Robert Frost book sitting on his desk, which has, you know, a page marked in it. And what's marked is it's a poem called Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. Which is probably his most famous poem. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, she reads through some of it, 
And then she notices what was marking the place, which is concert tickets that he had just purchased and that were for a concert, assumably for him and Isabel to go to together on a date. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do want to just talk about like the the poem for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was, it was deliberate. Oh, absolutely. Um, so the part that she reads is the woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. So this poem is about, you know, a person walking through the woods, stopping by the woods on a snowy evening and, um, and seeing a fork in the road, a fork in the path. Mm-hmm. And basically being tempted by and wanting to go down this kind of risky, more dangerous, you know, path that is um, less traveled, mm-hmm. but remembers his obligations to other people mm-hmm. and, you know, that he wanted to continue with his life. He had to go back to his life instead of exploring, going on this adventure and this new path, which thematically makes sense to have here because this is her being like, wait, like this poem, because like you, like he realized he had obligations and like, mm-hmm. why would he leave? He had obligations. Yeah. I feel like I'm sighing a lot in this episode. <laughs> oh yeah. So Liz calls everybody into Alex's room mm-hmm. and is like very serious telling them about they're going to put suicide in the report. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Max kind of agrees with now after having read the report and the evidence. Max is convinced. and But nobody else is on the side of Max and Valenti. Even Kyle, you know, who Valenti is his dad, who he knows and trusts. Even Kyle says he agrees with Liz. That this mm-hmm. is not something that Alex would have done. Which is like starting to sow the seeds of humans versus aliens Mm -hmm. i think when when kyle is like wait i agree with liz i'm on liz's side here yeah that's like the very first of like hmm also i don't know if you noticed like maria's like speech is slowed she just seems like she's like very low energy Mm -hmm. and like yeah just seems very depressed yeah i mean she's emotionally and i'm sure physically exhausted by what they've been going through liz is very angry that max is saying, well, I actually do think it was suicide. Um, She won't accept that and tells them about these Beth Orton tickets. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who Beth Orton was, so I looked her up. Okay. I'll try to make this quick. Moore was getting into her music at that point in time, so, like, that's why he put it in here. Got it. (laughs) Her music is described as folktronica, mixing elements of folk with electronica. All right. I would check that out. Her music has been featured in Felicity, How to Deal, Charmed, Dawson's Creek, Roswell, Vanilla Sky, and Grey's Anatomy. So, like, a lot of WB. Mm-hmm. And then Grey's Anatomy, which has been on so many years, surely everybody has been featured on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Grey's Anatomy is, like, big into the music, too. Yeah. The emotional interludes. Um, and Beth Orton's Wikipedia page mentions this episode by name. Oh. Because it's, like, a she's a big part of this episode. I mean, that makes sense. And did you clock that Michael used present tense when talking about him? Yes, I did. Yeah. Because Michael said, we we know what kind of guy he is. Yeah, he wouldn't do this. It's hard. You know, it is hard to adjust to using a different tense. Mm-hmm. And then our kind of final scene of the episode is Liz has gone back to the crashdown, but there's also some sort of like flashback She's, you know, she's, it seems to me a weird 
weird choice that I mean I guess because it also takes place in the crash down that she's remembering yeah. his striptease from Isabel's birthday and we see a, a nice nipple shot yep his nipple is in the flashback yep but we do get some flashes of some other scenes like the pilot episode and some mm-hmm. other little moments of Alex throughout the series so far and then this is when Liz finally breaks down and starts crying the first time mm-hmm. we've seen her cry in the whole episode so the song playing um originally when the show aired was a beth orton song called she cries your name mm. which is where this sh- this episode got its name that makes so much sense <laughs> uh, that has really been bothering yeah me. <laughs> like where the hell did that name come from yeah, yeah. that's where it came from Ugh. now i gotta look up the song the song is like such a huge part of the episode yeah. now that you know that and like that it's at the end here, but um, it, it's not in, on the DVD or streaming. So instead we got a song called silence by a band called Polaroid, mm. which like fit, you know, it like it, the, the vibe of yeah, it fit. It's not, but one like, of the, it's not one of the worst ones. Right. But it's, you know, it initially was like the song, you know, the mm-hmm. namesake of this um also like at first it looks like she's like sorting the photos right she's like putting them into piles and then it shows her just like wildly throwing them around the table so like i don't know what she's doing she's looking at photos (laughs) but like yes she's distraught she's distraught oh no totally but it like at first she's like putting them into piles it looks like this is like part of her investigation Mm -hmm. and then she obviously is just emotional you know like she's just yeah kind of dealing with it and yeah we see her finally cry and then uh jerry the delivery guy shows up and he logan is there he has interesting information to share with her which is that the credit card company kicked back the credit card receipt because of the way he signed it which is in binary code which is ones and zeros for those of you that don't know that's computer language um do you speak that computer language um i mean i had to translate it i do i mean binary is like really involved because yeah you only have two digits to represent everything else in the universe so i did look it up the way he signed it is one 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 zero zero one zero zero one zero zero one 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 zero one one zero zero one okay so i tried to plug that into binary to text did not work it's not enough it's not enough digits to have been binary to text so inaccurate 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 it translates to nine three six four oh nine okay i can't think of anything that maybe that would translate to but she says i mean apparently liz the science gal does speak binary because she says it means fluently just yeah, I have, I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. Also, FYI, you could totally, like, because I was like, wait, like, would the credit card company kick that back? Because, like, you can have that as your signature, but, like, not if that wasn't always his signature. They, you yeah. know, they would kick it back. But, like, yeah. you can use any symbol, any anything. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be your name for your signature. Yeah, you just have to be consistent. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I think this might be um, an episode to skip hot and saucy. I'm uh, I'm okay with that. I just, you know, I was thinking about it and it's like, yeah. it just doesn't feel appropriate. No, it doesn't. Ashley, did you want to share any thoughts as a first time viewer of this? Um, yeah. Okay. So 
confession to the listeners. I am a first-time watcher, but I did binge the back half of this season because <laughs> I got really into it. So um, today, like, the, I, I had seen it before today's recording. However... Like a few months ago, right? Oh, yeah. It's been a while. So I will say, like, they say it in this episode a couple of times. They say the end of the world. Hmm. And I had been spoiled on Alex's death because of the internet. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about it, really. I saw it on a Google search. (laughs) So I was under the assumption whenever I looked at all of the titles, I thought the end of the world, like, I thought that was going to be the one. I was like, that's going to be when Alex dies. And then it wasn't. (laughs) And then we got to Cry Your Name and then they say the end of the world a couple of times in it. And I was like, so I wasn't like way off. No, not at all. That's so funny. Um, and then in the beginning when he picks up the picture after the delivery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like clearly a diff- in a different mood. I kind of, the first time I saw it, I thought that he was getting overwhelmed with having two ladies. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because he just... We know he has her in Sweden, Mm -hmm. but he just had a great night with Isabel and seems to have plans to continue that. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, "Mm, maybe this is just like him trying to deal with like, I'm going to have to figure out a way to break up with this other girl. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Like you didn't like clock it as or flag it as. Right. Yeah significant like depressed or anything i just thought oh he's just like struggling with how to break up with someone which is hard Mm -hmm. yeah um so (laughs) that was my initial thought and then it cut straight to the accident and then i was like oh "Oh, no no. (laughs) oh no (laughs) straight to the accident Yeah. yeah immediately um i was shocked that it was in the beginning of the episode i guess i had it pegged for like a close to the end of an episode type deal that they were gonna do i don't know um so yeah i was like okay we're just jumping right in yeah it's the type of thing typically you'd think like an episode would end with that and it's like uh but i feel like when it's a cliffhanger like did they live or did they die it's usually that they lived when it's that sort of cliffhanger you like you leave it you leave the episode being being so distraught and then in the next episode you find out it's okay which is would not have been in the, the case with this one which i mean I mean, almost would have been worse if they did that kind of traditional yeah. flow of a cliffhanger and then totally. it did end badly. That's so true. And then also want to know why, why are they in school? After their friend It's presumably the next day and it's their best friend. Yeah. I would assume that they would not be in I school. I mean, I stayed home from school for far less. Yeah. I mean, I... I lived and my best friend didn't go to school for a full week after my car accident in high school. A friend so, who wasn't in the accident? Yeah. She just was so That's distressed traumatic. that you were, yeah, that you were injured. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's strange that they even showed up at school at all. Yeah. And then also I was really, really worried about Liz and her aggression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when she did finally cry at the end, it was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> All right, we're 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 getting through a little bit because I really was afraid she was going to get stuck in that anger stage. Yeah. yeah, and this was really the episode that I really 
like fell in love with Michael Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. all of the good that he has done up to this point usually is offsetting uh, something bad that he did. Yeah. Yeah. But in this episode, he is just there for them and doesn't do anything shitty to anyone. He's just perfect the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is what really like solidified like, okay, yes, I love this dude. (laughs) Yeah. The one thing, and it wasn't him being shitty. It wasn't. And we kind of skipped over that. We didn't really talk about when it really became hardcore aliens versus humans and the aliens stormed out and Michael obviously like was put in this awful position and like Mm -hmm. um felt obligated to get up and go with you know his like family who was leaving the room which meant he left maria yeah he could have like he could have said something yeah he didn't say anything (laughs) but that's still like still it's minor you know minor minor. compared to all the good he did in this all the good yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) oh all right well then if we're not doing hot and saucy um, I guess it's time to wrap up this episode, listeners. The next one's going to be so much more fun, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode. We will be back in two weeks on Tuesday, June 22nd with Season 2, Episode 18, It's Too Late and It's Too Bad. You can follow us on all the social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and now on TikTok at Roswell Hot Sauce. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash roswellhotsauce. And as always, you can find show notes and information about us and our podcast over at roswellhotsauce.com. Or shoot us an email if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, or just want to say hi over at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Hullett. Our theme music is by David Belcourt. And our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time. Remember. And as far as I'm concerned, you'll always be welcome in this house. Thank you. Welcome on the couch. Right.